All right, so we're here at the Play Big podcast. I'm actually so excited to be here today. This has been an idea of a podcast I've wanted to have for a long, long time, and there can only be one first episode of the podcast. And I'm I'm so excited. I'm extremely grateful to have you here with us today, Reggie Flowers, uh, a man of great faith, a uh, entrepreneur, a uh, husband, a father. A Thank great you. friend to many people that I know that we have in common, and I'm just so thankful that that you're here today, and I'm actually so grateful that you are the first one uh, that's going to be in this long, long series of people that we're going to talk about. But before we get started, could you please just let people know who is Reggie Flowers and and what makes you go? Absolutely. First and foremost, just thank you for that wonderful introduction, and I'm so grateful that you put this together. There needs to be a platform really compelling and inspiring people to go big. And I think that's the thesis in my life. I know you share that same sentiment. And then those who are viewing this are going to be inspired to or help them ascend to a greater heights. So Reggie Flowers, he's a kingdompreneur. He's a husband. He's a father of five wonderful children between the ages of 17 all the way down to nine months. I began as an entrepreneur at 19 years old, right out of college. I started network marketing. First year was terrible, right? And that was primarily due to ego and pride. Imagine I was broke, but I had an ego. And they just don't go together, right? And by the second year, I found out I was going to be a father. And there was a shift. Mm. And that shift caused me to really buckle down, focus on growing, humbling myself, really learning the system. And then from there, I found myself in the top production charts, being a part of the elite within the organization, moving through the organization. And then I fell in love with really impacting and coaching and helping people solve their problems, right? Listen to their stories. Then I got introduced to private equity as well as venture capital. And I became intrigued with the possibility of seeding capital into promising companies or identifying companies that you could either fix, improve, and then sell. And so buying and creating value was something that became a passion of mine. I'm also an author, so I have a book called The Art of Struggle, depicting the rise, the fall, and then five laws that helped me rise again. And then ultimately, I'm just a guy that loves life. I'm very grateful, grateful for all the seasons, the storms, grateful for the sunshine, Mm -hmm. and ultimately, I'm grateful to be here with you. That's awesome. You started off by saying you're a kingdom entrepreneur. It's a powerful, it's a powerful position. It's a powerful view on life. What, What is that? What does kingdom entrepreneur mean to you? Absolutely. And so I built a brand around Kingdompreneur Mentor because I not only experienced it, but then realizing that there's room and a need for it, where somebody's deeply invested in you being able to build as an entrepreneur or intrapreneur, right? So there are people within organizations, but they want to make decisions. They want to be governed by biblical principles. And so even though they're competing, they're battling, they're going to war with the world, but they're using the governance of God's promises, his principles, right, and the patterns so that when they make the decisions, they're able to look at who's my partner, who am I in business with, mm-hmm. right, and using that partnership and that covenant to be accelerator. And I deem that when it's done well, you begin to experience what we define as God's unfair advantage when you begin to have evidence of his promises in your life. Mm-hmm. And so now you're taking that to the marketplace, 
and you're stewarding the resources versus owning them. That's a deep principle too when you're a kingdompreneur. Man, you put a lot you put a lot in there, man. <laughs> so <laughs> when did when did you first realize that that was maybe something God had placed in your heart of not only being, I mean, being an entrepreneur, God can place that in people's hearts. Pursuing God is something that he can place in the hearts. But when did, yeah. when did you first realize, man, this is, it, it's, it's totally, being an entrepreneur means so many different things to, to different people. Right. Following God means so many different things to different people. But the combination of those two is a very, what I would call a, a meaningful, specific yes. purpose, calling that God put on your heart. And you had the courage, you had the abiding ability to be able to, to follow that. But when when did you realize that this was something that was put specifically into Reggie's heart? There was a realization. And sometimes those realizations come out of tragedy. And so for me, it was the loss of my first business, which was that network marketing business. I began to descend, mm. deaccelerate. And ultimately, that was a combination of full of self, becoming slightly arrogant, right? Believing that you're way better than you really are. And ultimately, when you do that, you begin to separate from God, right? Because you're becoming full of self. Mm -hmm. And so when that pause began to happen where there was no more production the way it used to be, I had the skill set and then I, and I'm working hard and I'm still not getting results, I realized that there was a clear boundary being established where God needed to get my attention. And it took a while for me to recognize that. So that wasn't a quick epiphany, but it, it took a moment. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, well, what do I do next? And again, that, that season turned into four years of like famine, hmm. okay? Yes. Like barely any income, struggling. My late wife at that time was working her full-time job to at least cover the bills. I'm trying. I'm seeking jobs. I'm seeking business ideas. And I was... Actually, the, the the actual shift really happened September 7, 2014. I was leaving the local grocery store called Myers, and I had my one- and two-year-old with me. And I'm preparing to put them into a Range Rover that I can no longer afford. <laughs> okay, and, we, and they're hungry, they're tired. And as I'm entering, putting one into the car, I hear a voice say to me, she says, what church do you attend? And I turn over and look over my back, and I'm like, oh, I, I go to Word of Faith. And how about you? And she's like, oh, I'm a street evangelist. I'm like, oh, that's great. Excellent. Thanks for sharing. And I'm trying to get them ready. And she says, oh, by the way, don't worry so much. Your businesses are going to do great. Wow. And I, I said, excuse me? And I turn around, and I'm like, hold on. And at this, you got to understand, I'm in a place right now where I'm so open. I needed mm. a change. I needed a shift, right? I, 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 my, I know what God called me to do, and my life and purpose was greater than what I was experiencing. So I was in that place where you're just eager for a hand, a support. And that came by way of an evangelist prophesying to me in a parking lot for an hour and a half. Wow. And so in short... She left me with several scriptures. One was Psalms 91, Romans 12, Galatians 6. And that's when I really started studying the Word aggressively because those specific verses were tied to what needed to change within me. And so that was September 7th. And then we moved to December 24th. I'm at the grocery store again, and I run into her name is Bridget, the mm -hmm. evangelist. And we don't have time for me to get through the whole story, but... We spoke again, and I just I was excited. I said, Bridget, I'm reading scripture. I'm being consistent. I'm praying over my family. Like, 
And so she prophesied to me again, really just helped me get clarity on, number one, she told me I was going to have a daughter. Hmm. And fast forwarding, my wife passed in 2018. We didn't have a daughter. I remarried in 2020. We had a son and then we had a daughter. So that daughter's here now. I had to wait seven years and I'm so grateful that she's here. But almost 80% of what she said, or 90% of what she shared with me has come to pass so far. And so we were and on the 24th, she told me what, what was coming. I And she also said, you know what, you're going to sow a seed into my business, I mean, into my ministry. And we had no money. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm like, where's this money going to come from? And sh- sure enough, on the 26th, my old company owed me a check. Mm-hmm. And that check came, and it was right after Christmas, obviously. And we needed that money to take care of bills, and we robbed Peter to pay Paul. My wife and I prayed, and we decided to sell the entire check because we wanted to wow. let people know, or let God know, excuse me, that we were fanatical about our faith, that we were going to entrust, that he was going to provide, that we were, going to, that we were just going to go to a whole new level in our faith. And as a result of that, starting December, I mean, January 4th of 2015, began the shift. Hmm. And it wasn't a, a quick shift, but you could see the incremental change that was happening. And then it became like a compound effect. And it went from 2015, and the real break happened in 2017. Wow. So I had to be faithful for another two years. So in famine for two, two years of training and development for two, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, four, excuse me, in famine, two years of development. And then in 2017, the break. What, 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 what were you holding on to during, during that time? Because oftentimes people mm-hmm. give up or they're uh, a poor judge of distance or the moment from uh, germination uh, of something or an idea or uh, a reconfirmation of something that you were kind of seeking already. And that that seed gets planted in you in the the parking lot. And then you abide and you walk in faith and you begin seeking. What, what, what did you hold on to during that time when you're not seeing results or the, yeah. the germination, the seed was there, you're not seeing anything, and there's always a gestation period for different things in life. There's Absolutely. nine months for a baby, and yeah. often there's gestation for business. There's different gestation periods, and oftentimes you don't, you don't no one's giving you a manual to say, hey, Reggie, it's going uh, to be X amount of months, and then right. something is going to happen. It's just walking in that faith. What, what are you holding on to about yourself and about God? in that process where some people would give up or they would lose faith or what, what, what was it about you that you learned question. about yourself? That's a really great question. First, when you hear the prophecy, you, I chose to believe. And in part, part of that prophecy was that you're going to rise up to the highest levels of business and you're going to help move people closer to God. So not only was I called, but I accepted. Mm. Then what I held on to was the vision. I always had a vision of my own, what my life would look like, my family, how I'd be able to provide for them, us traveling. So my shower became my prayer closet. And that was part of my routine to consistently pray. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to shower every day. And what I realized is that when I would go into that space and pray, that I would be able to see that future. And sometimes mm-hmm. I would shower twice a day, three times a day if it was super stressful. But I was able to go there and keep seeing the travel, chartering yachts, hanging out with friends. I was able to see that giving back, sewing into the community. And I would do that frequently. Sometimes those showers would be 30 minutes. But that's what I held on to. And then I would act as if. So I would shop on Zillow or whatever was relative at that time for housing. Same thing when it came to I've always loved yachts. So I would look at yachts that were 50, 100 million and just envision 
being there, chartering it, watching my children run, knowing that this is going to come to pass because if it's helping for others, it can happen for me. Right. And so really just allowing God to just say, look, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be patient. And oftentimes most humans define patience as the timeline that they've defined. Yes. And then when they exceed that, they're no longer patient. But when you have to truly be the definition of patience until it comes to pass. So I just got into this until I'm just going to continue until. And then even when until happened, then you just now have built this muscle to continue until because you ultimately, there is no max out. Yes. Right. It's a continuum of journey. So that doesn't change. And for me, it was a prayer and, and just seeing the vision consistently. What 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 compelled you besides Bridget? Bridget. Bridget, Bridget saying you're going to sow into my ministry. You're in a moment in time where money is hard to come by. Yes. And then you're faithfully during this time praying and you're walking through and you're deep in scripture and you're yeah. you're getting pulled pulled back closer to, to God. And then all of a sudden something shows up, a check that you've probably been praying for. You're hoping that money comes to you. Yes. The the natural human tendency is maybe to say, Oh man, my prayers have been answered. Correct. And this is the blessing that I've received. What 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 was the decision like to take the blessing that you received and fully and faithfully let go of it, give it back? Not a third of it, not a half of it, but a hundred hundred percent of it. One, what what was that the process like? And then two, what what did it what did it what did it feel like or or what was the feeling mm-hmm. when you handed her that check and you let it all go. So you receive this blessing, all of a sudden you let it all go. Yes. Walk me through that, so man, because I think the that's proce- awesome. The process, having a great mate helps too, right? So I was married to a woman of faith, God rest her soul. And so while we're discussing this, she asked me, what do you want to do? Mm. And for me, the process was clear, uh, the importance of obedience, because that's, prior to this, I had become disobedient, right? I wasn't following the Holy Spirit. I wasn't in scripture, right? Again, so now, like, I'm in the season of obedience, and, and the, the dream has always been bigger than that check. So if we're going to play big, mm-hmm. let's play big, yes. okay? And so when the check came, and she had already kind of gave me the heads up, I knew that's what God was communicating to her. Will he be faithful? Will he be obedient? Mm. And so that was for me to demonstrate my obedience and my faithfulness to our faithful creator as me being the faithful creation. Yes. So the timing of it, I had to check come before she told me that, that natural order probably would have mm-hmm. happened. But she told me prior to, which means that she knew through listening to the Holy Spirit it was coming. She didn't tell me what was coming. And I knew that why would I shortchange God? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, but if, he's, if, if I really believe that he's the creator of all, that he can turn things around, that he can help me get through anything, like if I really believe that, what's the best way for me to demonstrate that? It's just only 100%, not 50%. This is not like I'm going to allocate a portion of my capital, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to invest 100%. And then when she prayed over it, the multiple she placed on that prayer, <laughs> I was grateful that I sold 100% because I'm like, wow, when that comes to pass, we're going to be in great shape. Yes, that's amazing, man. That's an amazing, amazing journey. You mentioned your late wife. Can you walk walk me through because this is also happening during uh, you, yeah. you just came out of famine uh, now things are progressing into the right direction yes. 
getting your legs back under you, seeing the the promise of yes. God, yes. the the real yes. experience of it. It's like what you said is you want to be able to give people the, be able to show people the tangible results of what God can do. And that's happening for you. Yes. And then someone that has a deep faith that's helping you walk through this whole journey, all of a sudden is now not there as, as part of your, part of your life. What, what is that like? I mean, I, that's just, I, I can't imagine it, but yes. what is going through your mind at that moment in time, especially now as your faith is stronger? Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, it may, most sometimes it's hard for people to even digest, but because you heard the loss of the business and then the realigning faith and realigning with God, it prepared me, okay? So what I'm going to share with you and those that are listening, that previous storm helped me because this is sometimes hard to understand. So I'm going to kind of take it back to 2016 where we're chucking along. We're, we, we know something's coming. It hasn't come yet, but it's rearing its head, right? Yes. There's, there's movement and there's excitement. Deals are, deals are piling up and some are moving forward, some are not. So we're sorting. We're just kind of like, Lord, we know it's, it's, it's on its way. And again, I was in the shower having prayer and I got this vision of the children and I having a great time without my wife. Wow. And I'm like, huh, it kind of startled me. And keep in mind, I had an amazing marriage. So it wasn't even like me not wanting to be with my wife mm-hmm. or us divorcing. Like none of those dynamics were even on the table. And then I shook it off and I just said, the enemy's trying to startle me. I, I'm going to not condone this. And then the next day, the vision came again. And so I told one of my dear friends who was actually here in Atlanta with us, he was aware of that vision. I never shared it with my wife. But then in 2017, about second quarter, right around August, so third quarter, yes, third quarter, one of the biggest deals happened for us. Wow. I look up and now we have over a million dollars in an account, okay? So I'm talking about a radical increase. Yes. I subconsciously made the decision to ensure that my wife saw the world. So we went to Europe, we did Asia, we did the Caribbean. I mean, we did about 50,000 miles. I wanted her to see the entire world. Wow. And on our return flight back from San Diego in January of 2018, she sneezed three times. And it was like, it was rare, but I was sensitive because I knew the vision. And I was like, huh. And that was in January, February, she had a heart attack mm. that was virally induced called Takosubo cardiomyopathy. So they gave her thinners. And then in May, her equilibrium was off. She was kind of dizzy and we're preparing for another trip heading to Miami. So I was like, hey, let's go to the hospital. Let's just get this checked out before we head down to Florida. We entered in the 29th of May, and we actually didn't leave the hospital until July of 2000, I mean, July 19th, okay? So we were there almost 60 days. And when she walked in, she was a fully functioning human being. When she left, she was blind. She was a paraplegic. Huh. The, the cancer had metastasized into her meninges on her spinal fluid. And it's like the black sheep of cancer. Huh. And so that in that season... I would, there was a, such a calm and a peace and an awareness within me that allowed me to navigate the doctors effectively. Like for me to let them know like, hey, we're on the same team in a way, but I'm also a threat. I need you to take great care of my wife. And then when they told us that there was a prognosis of maximum four months, I shut down everything, everything business-wise, and I became her full-time caregiver for four months. Wow. And I'm talking about 
if she was incontinent, feeding, doctor's appointments, carrying her up and down stairs, right, because she can no longer walk, physical therapy, all the different therapies that she had taken place. And it was very enriching because part of having fanatical faith, you have to have true and complete trust in God, like you do. Like, so I didn't question. Secondly, I was grateful. I was grateful that we had five and a half years together. I was grateful the man she helped shape me to be. I was grateful for the two little boys that she gave me. I was grateful for the life that we had. Mm. And I realized that there's seasons. And I was realizing that our season was coming to an end. But for me not to be angry about it or be discouraged, but to be present and really enjoy what we had. And so I was with her till she took her last breath. Mm. And on that same day, I had the responsibility of being very intentional that when those little boys, when I picked them up from school that day, because when they left that morning, their mother had just went to the hospital, the ambulance took her. So mm -hmm. in their mind, they thought she was still asleep. And when they came, when it was time to come from school, I had to be intentional because that first conversation was going to really set the trajectory yes. of their lives. Yeah. And so I prepared that whole day. And that was the toughest to know that I was going to have to have that conversation that when they get home, your mother's not there. Mm -hmm. And I had the foresight through the grace of God and one of my mentors actually record that conversation. Wow. I have that conversation. Wow. And I'm going to make sure I let you hear it because establishing that their mother's assignment was fulfilled and that she was fortunate enough to now go home was a totally different trajectory in their thought process. So we fast forward today. They're both straight-A students. They have a thriving summer business. Socially, they're doing well. They're just sound young men, and I'm just really happy. And just trusting God, getting that wisdom, that guidance, because I didn't have it. It came from me just being conscious of Holy Spirit saying, hey, you need to call your mentor, mm -hmm. or you need to do this and just being obedient, right? And then I really didn't, my tears came to my eyes the day that we got into the car after the funeral because I was locked in. I was present. Yeah. I was grateful. And so I had my time to mourn, but the mourning was a happiness because I was happy for her mm. because the way she, the way her body was at the end, that wasn't her brain mm. surgery. I, we, used, I, we used to joke and call her Chris 2.0 because after the brain <laughs> surgery, she was different, right? So it was a transformational experience. But the prior loss helped me prepare for this loss and to navigate it as a true man of faith. And that's why I came out, was able to continue. And then God blessed me. He increased me for my faithfulness. So at that time, we had three children. Now there's five. Yes. At that time, there was a two-bedroom, two-bath condo. Now there's five bedrooms, six baths, two kitchens, right? He wow. increased me. Mm -hmm. He increased my businesses. He increased me for being faithful. So... I, I, there's no regret on how I approached it. I knew that's what he expects from us, and I wanted to be obedient to that. That's amazing. What's currently going on in your life that you haven't expected or that, that you have expected, but it's it seems like there the, these markers in your life, you are highly intelligent, highly disciplined, highly committed, highly faithful. So in that, there's things that you expect you expect good to happen. You expect your ability to create. You have experience of it. You have evidence of it. You walk in faith. You've mm -hmm. gone through storms that most people couldn't couldn't walk through. One, a business failing. Two, a loss of a loved one. Being able to keep moving through that and get remarried, have a beautiful marriage now, mm -hmm. more children, a strong family, a strong faith, strong businesses. 
what what's currently going on in your life now that either you expected this should happen mm-hmm. uh, for Reggie or that is unexpected and maybe in a good way or a bad way? I think it's actually in a season of unexpectedness where the expect, expect, expectancy that all I've decided to do was just say, take me where you need me, God, right? And what that does, it puts me in a state of stewardship where I know that I'm going to have a very rich life, that it's going to be very filling and fulfilled with great memories and great experiences. But it's now not to the place where it's so definitive by me that I can always tell a person. Just even coming down here, I had no expectations other than I know I was supposed to speak, Mm -hmm. right? And that's changing. Next thing we're looking at houses and people are sharing their visions with me. I'm learning more about what you guys are doing. So the, the flexibility of faith, right, allows you to move and, and carry less in your, in your suitcase, right, mm-hmm. to, to do things with less baggage. And so you can be nimble and be faithful to what God needs you to do. So for me, that unexpectancy would be I didn't expect that this podcast would be so cool. <laughs> okay, this is like <laughs> such a great setup. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to walk into such a warm environment of people. And then in terms of season of my life, I, I, there was a time where I was thinking just recently that because I was focused on really supporting God's people, you know, leveraging our nonprofit organization, that I thought that maybe I'm getting ready to kind of wind down the investment side of things. So I wasn't expecting the idea, as I mentioned to you, of being able to hire someone that's stronger than me, better than me in the capacity of finance mm. that, that worked for a billionaire and managed his company, a $4 billion portfolio. Now it's going to probably likely be my partner. I didn't expect that. So that just goes back to the attributing God of being faithful to him. And then he knows what you need and when you need it. And so you just got to kind of hold your, stay flexible and hold your values loosely, right? What do you, th- what do you think holds most people back um, from being that flexible or like what you said before is like early on your ego got in the way? Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes people are in business or in the world that you're in, you're in uh, big finance, big investments. You're talking, there's it's a shark, eat shark world. Um, business can be mean and nasty and tough. People want to have a bravado or an ego about them because I think that that's the, the main thing that needs to get done is just being tough. And mm-hmm. but there's also a way to fight being tough in faith. But what what do you think holds most people back when things are going good to want to be more in control and not being so flexible or not having the, I guess, the internal compass? What, what do you think that is for, for most people? It's the, it's rooted in fear. So if we kind of just navigate that word and and some of the supporting attributes like anxiety, self-control, you can think about from the perspective of um, full of self, right? It becomes a very selfish mentality, right? Where you're just thinking about what other people may want from you. And then sometimes it's also having experiences and not processing those experiences as well. So now you've gotten to a place where you're in control and no one can hurt me again, right? I mean, it's always rooted in some type of form mm. of hurt, trauma that was mismanaged, wasn't well processed. And so therefore, it shows up in those attributes that you just described. But ultimately, it's really when you look at, for example, one of my philosophies are 
in business is number one, all transactions are backed by people. And that as long as I trust God, I don't have to worry about mistrusting people. Mm. So I don't have to enter any relationship fearful. I don't have to enter in any relationship worried about somebody doing something they're not supposed to do. It would be revealed. And last night I was having a conversation with a gentleman that we're bringing into the organization. And he was like, you can look at my resume. You can put up against anyone, Reg. I can trade against anyone, like whatever you need. And I said, when you're dealing with a kingdompreneur, it's a little different. We have a vetting process, right? We still look at numbers and facts. I said, but beyond that, I, I don't have the fear that you're describing that causes people to want to do those additional steps mm. when it's only going to be one or two outcomes. Either you can do what you demonstrate or you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And so it's my responsibility to say, okay, if I'm going to have you trade, let's just say $2 million, let's see what happens with 250 and then incrementally increase, right? That's my responsibility. But the gambler, wants to put in the entire two and you told me that you could do this and if it doesn't work out now I got to blame you right. so it's just a different philosophy and comfort where you look in a person in their eyes you're sensing your spirit to see if there's any discomfort are values aligned are they not aligned and from a core base am I feeling good about it and, and can I look back and say hey did I do the appropriate due diligence and if all those are yeses then I can move forward and trust and say hey I'm giving you an opportunity and and if you create that, I'm not going to hold on to right. that and then transfer that. I mean, just think about dating. We always tell people you can't bring the past relationship into the new one. Right. But then we don't want to take that into business or general relationships. It's no different. Right. So whatever happened in the past, hopefully you've learned from it. Because in order to get the blessing, you got to get the lesson. Okay. No lesson, no blessing. <laughs> okay. So did you get the lesson so we can get blessed together? Yes. If not, we got to go back and work on the lesson. In business. You walk, you walk such a strong, strong faith. You proudly bring it up, just like what you, what you said is explained to this gentleman, I'm a kingdom entrepreneur. Yes. Some people may or may not know what that means mm-hmm. uh, or they may have heard of it. But in, in business in, in particular, when you're going and creating the, the next move or the, the next project or the next business venture mm-hmm. or whatever, how does that come across to other people that, you're in business with or that you're partnering with that may not have that same philosophy or maybe in a different part of the world where maybe they, their belief system is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, are there struggles or challenges there that question, uh, people question it or how, how do you handle that when someone's maybe seen that as, uh, I don't know that I want to get involved in that. And so are you saying from a standpoint of being centered around faith or being multifaceted? Both. One, because business is business. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, business is business. People will look at business, bottom line business. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing this to make a profit. Mm-hmm. Your understanding would be very similar to mine is I'm, I'm doing it for a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I expect something to be left over. When mm-hmm. that something is left over, it's going to multiply because it's, I'm not. It, it's principle. It, it's it's yeah. principle. Yeah. And so if you have other partners, other people are involved, like how, how do you navigate through that for you? Well, now I'm in a season where I get to kind of choose, which helps. But when I wasn't, I learned to be respectful of other people's values, but not necessarily internalize them. And so therefore, I remember the first like big transaction I was involved in in 2015, father-son individuals, they didn't sh- share those beliefs, okay? They were very sophisticated businessmen, but they didn't share those beliefs. 
And so ultimately, majority of our interactions were conducted around operations and business, and so it was easy. But sometimes when there's decisions to be made, their decisions and mine, we weren't in agreement. And so it was it was stated, it was written, it was clearly, because if it was a vote, I may have, they had majority, but it was clearly defined like where I stood. So that if something ever went to trial or we were audited, it was very clear in my position, mm-hmm. okay? But in the guise, like you said, of a partnership, things will move forward sometimes even if you're not in agreement. Now, as long as they don't clear boundaries where ethically now I have to get out of here, then I'll walk away. And that's what stewardship allows you to be able to do is to walk away from deals no matter how large they may be, no matter how lucrative they may be. And then what I've learned in those experiences is that oftentimes when you're praying to God for protection, he often shuts it down anyway. And then you find out the deal didn't get done, so you don't have this fear of loss. And there's also times that you become mature enough where you realize that even if it's a good deal, I still may not need to be a part of it. Here's a quick story. So a dear friend of mine, right, I backed him in multiple transactions. A friend of his found some paintings at a thrift store, okay? Hmm. There's 14 of them. And they happen to be authentic John Michael Basquiat's, which means that the woman was selling the paintings for anywhere from 5000 to 10000 a painting. But each of those paintings minimally were a million dollars. Holy cow. Plus, okay. wow. So he was able to buy all those paintings, and he came to me. And again, this is when money was tight, but I just got a business credit card, $7,000 <laughs> card. And I'm like, I'm buying one. Now, we hadn't had them authenticated yet. There was no provenance just yet. Mm-hmm. But So that's the risk. Yes. And so I called a bank. I said, I'm going to do a $7,000 transaction. And they said, okay, it's good to go. The lady on the other end, this is in Missouri. She runs the car, denied. And I'm like, hmm, let me call you right back. Call the bank. The bank says, it's good to go. I call her, denied. So then finally, I was like, I'm going to get you and the lady and the bank on the phone. Mm-hmm. So they get on the phone together. They're talking and they're like, try again, denied. The woman's like, I don't know what's going on. And I remember sitting back and looking at my bride and I said, we're not supposed to be in this deal. Mm. So I said, we're not going to do it again. And my friend was like, are you sure? I said, listen, I'm sure this is going to work out really well. But for whatever reason, God is telling us we're not supposed to be in it. Now, we end up needing that credit card to take care of some bills. Wow. And those that collection today, he ended, he ended up getting close to 40 paintings that are valued at over $150 million, Holy okay? cow. And to this day, I never felt bad. I never felt like a loss. Because I always know that if I'm living righteous and I'm living the right way, if God wanted me to have a piece of that, he would have positioned me to. Right. So I didn't think I did anything wrong. I was being punished. I just wasn't supposed to be a part of the transaction. Mm. Why? Because it took a long time for it to mature. Right. They just started maturing now. So this is probably like five to six years later. Mm. We needed the money to survive during that season. We were in a position to take advantage. So having the maturity to recognize that. And I think there's a second part to your question. I think <laughs> I'll make sure I missed it. But the bottom line is that that's how we handled that process with people and, and realizing that they may see it differently than we see it. And it's okay. It doesn't mean that we can't do business together. Right. Yesterday, we had an opportunity to spend some time together. At lunch, you were talking about you recently were at an event. You had an opportunity to speak. Yes. And you spoke on a subject called grief. Yes. And I think that it it... It moved you 
in a well in a way <clears throat> that seemed to open up your eyes or yes. your heart to something equally the people that heard it or that have heard the message that you put out online or wherever yes um it's a it's a conversation that most people don't want to have or they don't know how to move through it or they don't they don't know how to navigate the waters of grief and if you haven't gone through a similar situation with somebody or you personally haven't gone through that situation that it could be a, a challenge it could stop uh most people absolutely but what what uh about that recently uh has uh lit a flame or a, a, like a an awakening spark, yeah, some sort of spark inside of you I go oh, man like this is something i need to to really 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 talk about i think the the facts are sometimes people think because we're businessmen or women that we're automatically assuming how can we monetize everything and there's a certain the reality is is that when you get to a certain place where you're just navigating carefully. You're not looking at everything as a way of making money. And so I never looked at that story as a attribute for helping people with grief or taking that story and creating a course or an educational platform to teach people. But it took someone else hearing that and saying, the way you manage your grief with your wife challenged me as a man, as a Christian, like, I want you to speak on that. And so I said, huh. I never really looked at it that way. But that's part of being open. Yes. That's part of being receptive and having good counsel around. When you have other people that you respect highly, just like I respect you, I respect that gentleman. So I value the thoughts, I value the inputs, and then I, I process those things mm -hmm. along with prayer. And what I realized was that example happened to be a great example that if you are defining yourself as a person of faith, a Christian, a variance of Christianity, even Catholic, being Catholic, that if you truly step in faith, how am I to behave when our brother or sister now goes home? Like, how, what is my true mm. behavior? Is it okay? Because you may petition for something different. You may not be in agreement. But if I'm truly going to behave selflessly, what does that look like? And that's what was represented in that season was someone trusting, being selfless, being grateful, and then having the wisdom to say, why not me? How come this is happening to me? And, and going in internally. And I actually just sent him a message and said, how do you recommend I approach this? Because again, I, you know, this is something that I just offer through our nonprofit and, and help get some supporters to raise some additional funds so I could just provide these services to people. Do I create a course that... Uh, it's either free or should I have people pay so they can actually use it? And then I started thinking about, like, who can I really be of service to? And more than likely, it's going to be people that are similar to me that are either entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, that have a greater responsibility currently and cannot be in a position of being stuck. Hmm. Because that's where I was at. I couldn't. I had three little humans. I had to get the businesses, get back going. Right. I had a major responsibility and to sit there on the couch and be in a uniform watching television wasn't acceptable. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to no one was going to benefit from that. So I think that that just helped me really think about it and say I can help people because. And so here's what's happened as a result. And again, just all God, my neighbor, his wife has been battling cancer. 
And when she first got diagnosed, I had a very tough conversation with him. And tough in the definition of, I said, listen, you're a man of faith, and I know you, she's a woman of faith. But we have to understand that God has the final say, and he determines how this journey is going to be completed, right, this season. So I want you to prepare for her being healed right here on earth and, and being a great servant to her and giving her whatever she needs. But I also want you to be mindful that if he calls her home, you all have a six-month-old, and there's going to be that responsibility. You need to understand her promises, her wishes. And trust me, whenever you mention this, the fear of death steps in even to people of faith because they're not seeing the benefit of going home. Mm. So he heard that conversation. He disregarded it. And then she had her chemo, literally completed chemo April this year. And then the cancer returned a couple of months ago, or actually a month ago. And it came back mutated and aggressive. And she just passed last week. Hmm. And I was, while he was in the hospital with her, when she had one more day, he said, I need you. And that was kind of the additional confirmation that I went in and I'm looking at the family and, I'm, and everybody's crying, which is expected. But I'm, the conversation I'm having with them, and I, I actually took my notes because I'm like, I need to write down these thoughts because mm -hmm. they're coming naturally, but I want to remember. Because when you're in flow, it is sometimes yeah. you don't remember how Holy Spirit used you. I don't want to not remember. And I was letting the mother know. I said, listen, you get to choose how you tell yourself this story. And this story can be as something that aspires you and inspires you, or it could be something that becomes an anchor a, uh, a suitcase that's packed full of negativity. I said, you get to choose. So I want you to do right. What I want you to do right now is tell me about Kelsey when she was a little girl mm -hmm. and her face lit up and she's taking me through these memories. She, and I wanted her to see the memories, to remember how great her daughter was. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I said, listen, you got to remember there's an opposing force that wants you to curse God, to remove yourself for God. And I said, you can't give him that. No matter how much pain you're feeling, no matter the sorrow that's in your heart, trust that God will comfort you. But that enemy wants you to add, to blame God. And, and then you'll carry this. And I said, and then you won't be any good to your grandchildren. You won't be any good to your spouse. So I'm having these types of conversations, and you can just see the light bulbs going off. Like I never, nobody else is communicating to me this way, yeah. right? There's people coming and everybody's crying and how bad. And it's interesting that oftentimes people will come into that environment to tell bad stories too, right? Yes. You yeah. see that? Yeah, like, of course. You know, they'll yeah. come in and talk about another person they know who just died and the mm -hmm. person is still alive. It's like, no, 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 please stop. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not how we can connect. Let's yes. do it a different way. And seeing their responses of basically what was kind of contrary to the expectation of communication in that moment and their receptiveness kind of told me people need this hope, this faith in the moments like this from people that have lived it and are speaking from rooted truth, biblical truth, and not projecting a facade. Right. Like all my friends that were present in that season watched me conduct myself this way. So there's no one's going to pop up on the internet, but he was screaming like a baby. He's lying. Right. So. That's what's happened now. It's kind of an evolution. It's not still, it's, it's in pottery. It's not formed completely, but it's, it's happening. It's, it's happening now, currently. And now, uh, what else is happening now, currently, that uh, you're, you're most excited about with what you're doing? I'm excited that I'm getting back into the season of being of service to others. Like, I really am. I really am. Like, I like sitting down with people, hearing what they're working on, 
listening to some of their problems or or seeing some of the patterns. Like I'm a pattern guy. Mm. I see patterns. I, I find solutions, and I often have things that sometimes not everyone else sees. Right, that's some of our gifts. Mm-hmm. And then be able to say, hey, what do you think of this? Right, and then let's implement this. I realized that that was going to start happening, so I started putting the right leadership in place within my organization so I had more flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that me being with people is important. If I'm not with people, like when you're buying, investing in companies, you're engaging with people, but you're not with people. Right. right? You're not having intimate conversations with people. You're not hearing their, what they aspire to do or wanting to know how do you move through this, like we're this exchange we're having right now. And so I'm just trusting God that he's kind of moving me in a way where we got the nonprofit, where we're identifying board members, and we're just being patient to him sending the people to say, hey, just like you talked about yesterday, I want to help. Yes. How can I help, right? Yes. And just being, and that way I know that I didn't choose that person, God did. And so therefore, I know that there's going to be fruit that's going to come Mm -hmm. from it, whether long season or short, there'll be fruit because that person was led. And so... I just know that right now in this season, there's people, I have good friends like yourself that are creating these massive opportunities and, and global domination. Somehow, some way, I'm supposed to help. I don't know. Sometimes it's a conversation. Sometimes it's a full out involved. You just don't know. You let God work it out. But when you see people are moving the kingdom forward, mm-hmm. I just know that if it's kingdom-based and that the leadership recognizes that they're being led that way, you support that because the end goal is just bringing more people right to Christ. And that's all that matters, right? So it's financing the kingdom, transferring wealth from the wicked to the righteous, just getting people in position to combat all this craziness that's going on right now on the planet. But we need capital. Part of that is capital being capitalized to combat. So the same thing the enemy's using to pollute Man, we got to use that same weapon to restore and refine and filter out. Speak to me about servanthood. Okay. You met, you mentioned it yesterday. Yes. Um, and in what everything you're describing and how you are and how you operate, there's a, there, there, you made a, a very important distinction yesterday mm-hmm. of moving and then moving into servanthood. What, what is, <clears throat> what is servanthood to you and, how is that becoming the, the next evolution of Reggie's walk with God? So I used the example yesterday when I mentioned that, that Faith Over Fair event, how I felt led to donate tickets, right? So purchase tickets, give those tickets away so that people could be blessed to go. And then not say, okay, by the way, I want this. Now that I'm doing this for your event. Or can I speak? There's a time when there needs to be an ask, and there's a time when you're supposed to be of service. And when you're to be of service, that means that you're not expecting the reciprocity to take place in that place of service. So we're, we're helping people really move from a place of being either renters in the kingdom, owners, to stewards. And that progression is very similar if you just look at real estate, like the behavior of the renter with that property, okay, the owner, how they behave. But the steward of the property versus the owner, the difference is the owner has wisdom, some understanding, but the steward, I mean, the owner has understanding and knowledge, but the steward has the wisdom. They understand how to take that knowledge and wisdom and to deploy it effectively. And so distinction of knowing, like you said, when to ask, because we we have value, right? We're business people. So when you provide a service, when you're providing IP, there's a value there. But a steward understands when I'm being led to contribute. And 
one of the philosophies that my wife, my current wife says is, listen, you're actually is my late wife, excuse me, that the blessings, I mean, you're going to, you want to be under the spout where the blessings come out. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she also would say that you're not going to always reap where you sow. So when you understand that philosophy that I may sow some good seed here, I may contribute well here, but I don't have to expect to reap here. Mm -hmm. Then it allows you to sow gracefully. It allows you to sow without expectation. And therefore, you can go home and not feel like you were taken advantage of, that you were used. And so getting people into a place that had a distinction of recognizing when I'm supposed to do a transaction mm -hmm. or when I feel led that say, hey, how can I help? Right. There's a distinction. And then the person receiving that, you don't have to worry about if they're a good vessel or not. That's not up to you. Yes. That's between them and God. Mm -hmm. So you can so so getting, teaching people to get to a place of stewardship, I just feel like we'll do a greater job with the resources, whether that's our time resource, our capital resources, relational resources. We'll do a greater job when we realize like it's not mine, because when we get into the selfish nature, we just get dis disillusioned with our decisions. Suboptimal decision making takes place because of emotional limitations. But when you're steward, you're free of that mm -hmm. because you're like, OK. If something happens here, great. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, I know I'm going to be blessed later. I can continue to move on with a cheerful attitude, and that makes a big difference. Man, you know, I could try to uh, <laughs> have a conversation about two, two specific things that you just uh, said there, man. It is uh, extremely, extremely powerful. Two, two particular things of what you just said. Yes. Uh, number one, uh, sowing without expectation. Yes. Uh, that, that is a, a powerful position to take someone without expectation and then you also said sometimes where you reap is not where you sow yes just in the last couple minutes that we have sure. uh i at least want to come i want to understand that a little bit it's much longer conversation but man if you could just dig that out a little bit because i think most people do something with this expectation i'm doing this because i expect i expect this back or because I'm sowing here, I also expect it to come back from here as opposed to understanding something greater is going on, walking in faith, the, the way that you've been moving for multiple years, yes. being obedient, not being expectant, but always knowing that God moves things for good and that you have evidence in throughout your life, and in particular the last several years, it just explain to me what that what that, that is, yeah, and what why most people maybe have a hard time with that. Even if they do have a deep face, it's still the human nature, ego size. Like, man, I'm gonna sow here, I reap here, I sow, I expect. Well, it's a limiting belief, right? And the belief is is that if I don't get an exchange, right? Because number one. That's a person that although they may say that they have passive income or residual income, they're still a linear thinker. That's part of it, too. Mm. Right. So everybody thinks the physical currency is the only currency. But then there's also the biblical currency. And so when you really believe in the biblical currency, then you can move with these principles comfortably and not feel like you're being robbed. So. Majority of people are thinking that, okay, if I'm going to provide you my IP, my ideas, right? Well, f first off, nobody, if you don't have to do it, <laughs> okay? Yes. But if someone's asking you for help and you can do it and you feel like you shouldn't do it because you won't make money off of it, is there a lack going on in your life? And they may be 
have bank accounts full, but there's still a lack. Mm. And sometimes that lack has nothing to do with business. It's a lack of person. It's a lack of spirit. There's a lack within wow. them. But when you're full of abundance, this conversation, this two-hour conversation, this one-hour conversation is not going to change the trajectory of my life. Mm. And if it blesses you and all it does is multiply on, that's okay. But if I'm looking at you as like my source, mm. and that's what happens too, is that as people aren't seeking God's their source, they're looking at the person they're transacting with as their source. So they put all this energy, yeah, I mean, all this expectation into that source. Mm. And when they realize that that source can fail them, then they're hurt. And so now they're trying to transact with everyone. Mm. And there's no one, because what, what I've experienced in my life is people always tell me, Reggie, why did you give them that much information? You should be charging them mm -hmm. for that. And I often say, I didn't feel led to not give them this information. I mean, I sat in a room yesterday with some of your team for several hours, and I never once thought, what am I going to get for this? Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. I was excited about the, the process. Mm -hmm. Hey, you guys can go to $10 billion. I, I know it. <laughs> like, here, here's some things I would recommend you consider. Right? Here's some things I would recommend how you implement, how you, you know, but you got this. Go for it. Yes. Not... You got this, so what are you going to give me? Right. And for me, that doesn't even feel right. So I think we just got to help people get whole again. There's books to be whole again. The Bible can help you become whole again. Get around good counsel to be whole. Because when you're whole, you shouldn't be out trying to... It's like when people say, a man, you shouldn't be dating if you're broke. Mm -hmm. right? Because how are you going to demonstrate provision when you don't have money to do it, right? So just be patient enough to have not short-term thinking, but long-term mm -hmm. thinking. And I just think that then you can sow... And just know that I'm going to reap. And I think that's the investor mentality from a faith-based structure. As I'm thinking about it out loud, yes. it's really now you're making an investment that I don't expect Jason to uphold the agreement. I don't expect Jason to make it mature, but I do expect God. Yes. And so if I move that way, when it does come, it, wherever it comes from, I'm just grateful I didn't look like you were supposed to do it because I did it for you, so you're supposed to do it for me. Man, you're, yes, you're, you're such a blessing. It's, it's an infinite rate of return when what we do does echo against the backdrop of all of eternity. Yes. And sometimes you'd be so focused just on the, on the minimal, short-term, even in years it could be long-term, but, man, if it's against the backdrop of all of eternity, yeah. the return on that for me I, w I would love it to be somewhere else, and I'd love it to be in heaven, right? right? And mm -hmm. so it may not show up, show up here. You're reaping down here, but, man, my, my storehouses are, are somewhere else. Absolutely. And as many people as possible well said. Ought, ought, to, ought to have access to it, have the awareness to it. So if people wanted to, first of all, thank you again for, for coming here and just sharing your story, sharing your life, insights. If people want to find out more about Reggie Flowers and what Reggie Flowers is involved in, Yes. How can they find you? How can they get access to you? Where would they go? The fastest way to get all the access to me would probably go to my Instagram, which is at IamReggieFlowers.com. I mean, not .com, but just IamReggieFlowers. Uh, there you get access to Kingdompreneur. You get access to Flowers Equity Partners. You can see some of the content, the podcast, which once we beef up our situation, <laughs> we'll invite you on too. So we have a real podcast here. But those, that's the easiest way to get a hold. Right now, I'm in a season from coming from behind the curtain to back out front. And that's why these opportunities I'm grateful for because I just needed to be, a, right now, just a servant. Right now, we don't have a huge production. We weren't big on being on front of the camera. So no matter how much success you have worldly, 
you still have to approach everything with the principles, understanding seed time and harvest. Yes. So right now I'm sowing seeds, right? You will always sow seeds when you're beginning something new. Yes. And then will that time happen? So if I just continue to move forward without the expectation of when and just focus on until, then the harvest will show up. And then we'll be grateful for the harvest and we'll continue to do the process over and over again. That's awesome. It's amazing. Before we go, you're going to grab one of these stickers. You see the stickers on the table? Yes. And go ahead and sign the sticker and place it where your God is calling you to place that sticker on this table. Oh, my pleasure. It's been a great conversation. I love you sharing your life. I love the example that you're providing for other people and your will- your willingness to share it. The way that you share it, your demeanor about it is is going to serve serve so many people so well. So again, thank you. thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you for having and me. And always ride the wave of life, and always play big. <laughs>